0: Hey, well, I'm excited. Firstly, my name is Phil Adams. I serve as pastor here at Park Rogers. Park, if we haven't met, I'd love to, love to meet you. Um, come on up at the end or find me afterwards. I'd love to introduce myself and get to know many of you more. So um, we are starting at the beginning of a new year, a short three-week series. It's entitled Worthy of your life. If you were here back in November, we sent out a, a survey. We did it in service. We sent it out so, through social media, inviting people to, to ponder and wonder what would be uh, three really helpful sermons um, for our church at the beginning of the new year. Um, we really, as the elder team, we, were, we wanted to start the year off with just a reminder that, that Christ is worthy of every aspect of our lives, that there's no aspect of our lives that is off limits uh, to, to, to Christ. And so we had about over, over 80 people responded to the survey. Um, and these are the th- three sermons that we're going to be preaching. So today I'm going to be preaching a sermon um, entitled Sacred Rest, Embracing the Gift of Sabbath. That's this week. Next week, Jimmy is going to be up here. He's going to be preaching entitled, Work and Purpose, Glorifying God in Your Profession. That's going to be awesome. Then in two weeks' time, we'll be back, or I'll be back preaching a message on gratitude entitled, Cultivating a Heart of Gratitude, Thankfulness in All Seasons. And what's also really cool, just a heads up about that third week in two weeks' time, it's going to be Park RP's 11-year anniversary. It's exciting. It's exciting. So we're going to have a celebratory potluck that Sunday. It's going to be January uh, 21st. It's a perfect week to be teaching on gratitude for all that God's done and looking forward to all that God is going to do, that this neighborhood is the same neighborhood in which uh, the church was planted 10, 11 years ago, and we want to continue reaching the 55,000 people that live in Rogers Park and also the thousands thousands of people that live in the surrounding um, neighborhoods. So we'll have a celebratory potluck. Make sure you bring something on January 21st. And also that Sunday we're going to do another church service. And um, This one to get an idea of what's going on in, just in the life of the church and, and you guys. So it's going to just be a bit great service. January 21st, make sure that you are here. Okay, let's begin. Worthy of your life. Uh, by a landslide. The most popular selected sermon title when we sent out that survey of the nine different options was the sermon focused on rest and Sabbath, which is... Which is Maybe telling for our church and so even as i've talked to people within our church recently it's it's become clearer and clearer not only how many of us struggle with this but also how so so many of us are dissatisfied um with with having to live uh, restless Um, there's a discomfort within our church with our inability to rest and uh, what i'm thinking what I've been thinking or realizing with an awareness of this is that um, we, we know that there's something off. We, we, we have an aspiration to something that seems right and good and yet for whatever reason it seems that we we're being swept along in our lives by, by tasks and uh, to-do lists and, and costs of living and uh, alarm clocks waking us up and just making us feel like our life is frantic and non-stop and never-ending. I don't know if you resonate with that. I know many of you do. (laughs) Leo uh, Tolstoy, the the Russian novelist, he had a vision for for his life and he, he wrote this, he said, a quiet, secluded life in the country with the possibility of being useful to people to whom it is easy to do good and who are not accustomed to have it done to them. Then work, which one hopes may be of some use, then rest. Nature, books, music, love for one's neighbor, such is my idea of happiness. Ruth and I, we, we sometimes talk of a similar aspiration or dream of one day being able to, to buy a little cottage on the west coast of Ireland along what's called the Wild Atlantic Way and just be there and walk along long windy beaches and just enjoy the grandeur and the, 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 the wildness of God's creation. And maybe, maybe for you, when you think of rest, well, maybe what maybe comes to mind isn't the west coast of Ireland, although I would give it a try. <laughs> but um, up the tourism in Ireland. Um, but maybe you think of maybe you think of somewhere else when you think about rest, a different place of rest, um, a place you, you you dream of being when you're you're weighed down and you're burdened. Maybe that's a, that's a beach in in Florida. Maybe that's a cabin somewhere in the woods. Maybe it's a campsite on the side of a mountain six days into a hike. And typically, when we begin thinking about rest, it's it's the concept of time that comes to mind, uh, time spent off, time spent sleeping, time spent far away from our problems. And yet, based on what we, we read in Scripture, it's actually very appropriate when we think about rest to think about a place of rest. A place where the pressures of life are pushed back, where we get to be unplugged from life's distractions, where we feel safe and at peace, where we experience a sense of limber and our freedom to walk at peace that it, uh, in a way that is calm and quiet and present. And the Old Testament, in Scripture, it reads about such a place. Joshua 20, 21, verse 43 reads, Thus the Lord gave Israel all the land which he swore to give to their fathers, and having taken possession of it, they settled there, and the Lord gave them rest on every side. Isn't that beautiful? For, for Israel, coming into the promised land, rest, it wasn't time, it was a place. Because true rest, really, if you think about it, there's no concept of time. Actually, the, the Hebrew word for Sabbath means to cease, to stop. When we, when we Sabbath, time itself, Sabbaths with us. The, the kind of tick, tick, tick of time ceases. And so this morning we are going to look at this, a little a little gem of a passage in Hebrews chapter 4. If you've got a Bible there, please turn to Hebrews chapter 4. And this this passage, it served to remind its original readers who were busy in an urban context, similar to ours, a long time ago. And they were reminded that this place of rest on every side that it still stands, that it still exists. Let's read together Hebrews chapter four. Verse, we'll read verses one to four, and then we'll verse, read verses nine to ten. So let me read verse one to four of Hebrews chapter four. It says this, therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them, because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest. As he has said, as they swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And then we jump down to verse 9, and it reads, So then... There remains a sabbath rest for the people of god for whoever has entered god's rest has also rested from his works as god did from his let's pray before we jump into this passage god we come before you this morning god we recognize god that you are the reasons that we reason that we are here your goodness your grace towards us we thank you god that as we uh, come towards you you come towards us We thank you, God, that you care and you love your people. And God, I pray, God, that you will speak words of truth into our hearts this morning. God, we open ourselves up to your word. So just speak to us. God, we're dependent on you. God, I pray that if anything is said, it is not of you, that it would be gone and it would be forgotten. But God, I pray that we would leave here today spurred on in our our walk uh, with you at the beginning of this new year with an openness to surrender all of our lives afresh and make changes in our lives that will be aligned with your will for our lives. So God, do that, I pray, amongst us in your name. Amen. It's, it's unknown to what city exactly um, uh, received this, this book of Hebrews or this letter, but it's clear from uh, what is written in the letter of the book of Hebrews that the letter entitled Hebrews was written to a people or written to readers encouraging them to persevere, to, to, to keep going, to, to not give up. Uh, due to persecution that they were facing and the hardships they were experiencing as followers of christ that's why it was written to persevere and so the unknown author he begins in chapter three to draw on this long spoken of theology and scripture pertaining to biblical rest the christians who would have received this letter were those who had converted from judaism they were jewish followers of christ and so the the author of hebrews is able to draw as you can imagine from the old testament knowing that his readers would be able to understand to comprehend what he is speaking about and so when we get to chapter 4 verse 1 and we read we can look at it we read this we read of we read of the promise of entering his that is god's rest and here, based on the original reader's knowledge of their own history as a people, they would have known that the rest that's being spoken of here in chapter four is, is referring to how the Israelites received their freedom from slavery, and particularly the rest that they find in their entering into the promised land of Canaan. That's the context that they would have seen in this in, in, in these verses. And the purpose of chapter four, verse one, is to remind us, the readers, that the promise of entering this rest still stands it's still available it's still accessible and attainable there's an assumption made in this verse that post israel's arrival in the physical promised land there still remains for us today a land of rest to use the language of verse one a place of rest that still stands And it was in this period of Israel's history after their freedom from slavery in Egypt when they were on their way to the promised land that God gave within the Mosaic law the commandment to Israel, you may have heard it, to remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. It was as Israel were entering into their place of rest that God commanded that every week they were to take one full day to remember their freedom, to to acknowledge their dependency on God by setting aside and setting down their work and resting, which causes us and a lot of other Christians as well to ask: Should we be keeping? Should we, should we be keeping the Sabbath? Does the command to observe the Sabbath still apply to us? And if so, in what way? And it's not uncommon for Christians throughout history to believe so and to, to take the Sabbath, which was on a Saturday originally, and transfer the Sabbath onto. A Sunday, the Lord's Day, as a, as a day of rest, to have a day that's considered distinctly holy and set apart. And yet what you'll, you'll find us teaching here at Park is that the rest offered on the Sabbath day historically in Judaism is now offered and fulfilled in Christ through our relationship with Christ for 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 one reason nowhere in the new testament do you see sundays being referred to as the sabbath there's nowhere we see that transfer from the jewish sabbath from a saturday to to a sunday but we also in colossians 2 verse 16 to 17 we read let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or whether or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a sabbath these are the shadows of the things to come but the substance belongs to Christ. And we are actually going to be looking at this subject of the Sabbath again in the first week of February once we get back into our series in Luke's Gospel where we're going to see that Jesus interacts and he he challenges people's understanding of the Sabbath, particularly due to his role in coming to fulfill the Sabbath. we believe keeping a sabbath day of rest is no longer a matter of disobedience or a matter of obedience but the sabbath day was a was past tense a weekly rhythm for israel to prepare them for the ultimate rest that would become available in christ and so we as a church other than gathering for a church on sunday so please keep that free we don't treat sundays as a distinct day of rest, because our rest is in Christ, and that's why, isn't it, we're all so well rested, right? (laughs) It seems in a sense that um, something's gone a little wrong. It's almost tempting, actually, to to revert back and say, maybe we do actually need to be a little stricter in keeping a 24-hour Sabbath day of rest, if resting in Jesus is leaving us so tired. In Deuteronomy 12, verse 10, it states that Israel were to receive the promised land as an inheritance. It reads, God will give you rest from all of your enemies around you so that you will live in safety. But when we read Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2, it says that there were also those who heard this good news, but they did not benefit from it. Verse 2, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2, For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard, it did not benefit them. And then in the second half of verse 2, we get the the reason why they didn't benefit from the good news of available rest. Verse 2 reads, It was because they were not united by faith with those who believed. As in there was a division amongst the people of Israel It wasn't just being on the land that gave the Israelites rest and it wasn't just keeping the Sabbath that gave them rest. It was a matter of faith. It was a matter of belief. There was a faith. There was a belief that some of the Israelites had and some of them didn't have. And Hebrews chapter 4 is a very hopeful warning to say don't don't be those that hear the good news who who, have walked out of Egypt and they've entered a new land, but still fail to attain the faith that produces rest. Ruth, my, my wife, she sent me an article this week, um, knowing the message today was on rest, and it was an article telling the story of, of Corey Temboom. Some of you may know Corey Temboom, but it was particularly telling the story of her, her father, Casper Temboom. We also decided that if we have another baby boy, we're gonna call him Casper. Yes? Sounds good. The Timbooms, were, they were a family that lived in, in Holland, in Europe, living in the, the, not Holland, Michigan, thought I'd better clarify, um, living in the city of Harlem, I think I'm saying that right, who, and they lived there during the time of the Holocaust, and they helped, they're known for, they're famous for, um, how they helped and they protected Jews and hid Jews in their home. Then in February 28th, 1944, their, their house was raided and after extra rations were found in, your, in their home, the whole, the whole family was arrested. And before they were sent to concentration camps, they were split up, some to concentration camps, some to prison camps, they were taken initially to, to a local gymnasium and in the midst of which Casper, Corey's father, he, he held evening prayers. She writes about this in her book, The Hiding Place, saying, every day of my life had ended like this that deep, steady voice, that sure and eager confiding of us all to the care of God. The Bible lay at home on his shelf, but much of it was stored in his heart, his blue eyes seeing beyond the locked and crowded room, beyond Harlem, beyond Earth itself. As he quoted from memory, thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy word, hold thy me up, I shall be safe. Later, Caspar's grandson, uh, Peter, he would also write about his memory of this time and these days. He writes reflecting back on the next day after being taken to the prison from the gymnasium, and he wrote, The long hours crept by slowly as we stood there facing the yellow brick wall. My heart was full of questions. I kept thinking of the psalm my grandfather had read the evening before. In the gymnasium, there were 30 other prisoners lying and sitting on the floor around him. Grandfather had taken his Bible and read the 91st psalm how peaceful those words had sounded to our anxious souls. But now standing in the corridor of the prison, doubt filled my heart. A thousand shall fall at thy side, grandfather had read, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. But tragedy had struck. Where where were the host of angels we had prayed for so often had for God forgotten us? Then I glanced over at grandfather sitting in the corner, there was an expression of peace on his pale face that I could not help marveling at. He actually was protected. God had built a fence around him. Suddenly I knew the everlasting arms are around all of us. At last they took me to the cell. As I walked past my grandfather, I stopped, I bent over, I kissed him goodbye. He looked at me and said, My boy, are we not a privileged generation? And those were his last words to me. Casper Tembo went on to die about seven days later in the camp that he was taken to. Hebrews 4 is being written to Christians who are facing persecution. It's being written to Christians who need the encouragement to persevere. The expectation is not that they're going to be able to take a holiday. The expectation is not that this is going to be solved through a vacation. It's a, a reminder to them although that there is a rest that still stands, which is a reminder that a biblical theology of rest as it applies to the Christian's life has to be framed by the New Testament's expectation of what will be the Christian's life. The expectation that's said in scripture that living a faithful light life in pursuit of Christ, where we will enact his will and his ways in obedience to him. The expectation is set in scripture that the Christian's life won't be easy. John says, and Jesus says in John 16, I have told you these things so that you may have peace in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. You know, it, it would likely be more restful to disengage from your responsibilities. It would likely be more raspful to flee and run and hide away and orchestrate for ourselves a trouble-free life. It, it definitely would have been more raspful for Casper Ten Boom to not have hidden Jews during the Holocaust in his home. What, what do we do when there is an inevitability or even a rightness to our busyness? Not because our, our busyness has come to reflect an idol in our lives but because it's the result of what it means to live faithfully as neighbors and parents and spouses and fathers and mothers and students and colleagues and missionaries who take our placement in this city and in our families seriously. And so I think the challenge is this, and I see this in my own life, the challenge is to be able to discern the difference between when we feel tired as we lay our heads on our pillows due to our right response to the circumstances and responsibilities that we have been given, and when, on the other hand, we're experiencing a tiredness that flows from the panic and the frantic activity that is the result of our unbelief. Do you get that? On one hand, we, we get ourselves into good and right kind of trouble that isn't easy. John and I and the elders were talking about this on Friday morning when John was talking about a period as he shared with you this morning. Matthew 25 reads like this, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world for I was hungry and you gave me food I was thirsty and you gave me drink I was a stranger and you welcomed me I was naked and you clothed me I was sick and you visited me I was in prison and you came to me then the righteous will answer him saying Lord when did we see you hungry and feed you or when were you thirsty and when did we give you a drink and when did we see you a stranger and when did we welcome you and when were you naked and when did we clothe you and when did we see you sick or in prison And when did we visit you? And the king will answer, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. A biblical theology of rest as it applies to the Christian's life has to be framed by the expectations of what will be the Christian's life. But then on the other hand, there is, there is, church, a kind of slavery, a tiredness that we can experience due to the, the, the panic and the frantic activity that is a result of our unbelief. And that's the, the slavery that remained in the lives of some of the Israelites. Despite their freedom from Egypt and their entering into the Promised Land, they still remained without rest because they did not believe. And we say, Well what, what believe what? What did they what did they not believe? They, they did not have believing faith that when they left Egypt their rest had been found not due to their new circumstances nor due to their entering a new place. Rather they did not realize that rest was being offered to them through belief and hope and trust in the person who set them free. They, they did not have believing faith that when they left Egypt, their rest had been found, not in the circumstances in which they were in, nor due to the entering of a new place. Rather, they did not realize that rest was being offered to them through belief and faith and hope and trust in the person who had set them free. And so even though these Israelites, they were no longer enchained and no longer had taskmasters pushing them and dragging them around, they were still behaving like they did. And it can be so easy for us to fall into this very same mindset. Spending our days striving to obtain that which we've already been given in Christ. To exhaust ourselves worrying about our image when Jesus says, come to me just as you are. Living in fear of, of rejection when Jesus says, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. We, we exhaust ourselves trying to build for ourselves an armory, armory of financial protection when Jesus says, I will be your defense. To perpetually be trying to attain and maintain a righteousness of our own when jesus says i will be your righteousness to be fighting back fear of what might be with all of our angst when jesus says why are you so afraid do you still have no faith to be racing tick 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 racing the tick 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 of time your 20s your 30s your 40s oh no your 50s (laughs) when jesus says Seasons change, but I will remain the same. How often are we we busy trying to shoot for something, a dream, a a relationship, a place, a position, when Jesus came to say, it's me. It's, It's not here or there, it's just me. Come to me all who are weary and heavy burdened and I will give you rest. And so how do, we, how do we lean in? How is the rest found in Christ in our busy, troublesome world to be experienced? The first thing to, to notice in verse 3 of Hebrews chapter 4, it first is a warning that when the Israelites did not have hope and trust and faith in the God who had set them free, their lack of faith was an offense to God. It, it was due to their lack of resting faith that they incurred God's wrath. It's a, Resting and the lack of rest and the lack of rest because of unbelief is serious. The lack of faith was a rejection of God Himself. But then we, we read something that needs further explanation at the end of verse 3. We read, although His works were finished from the foundation of the world. And this is one of the verses in the Bible. It's like, what, what's What's that? What what does this mean? What does it mean that the Israelites incurred God's wrath for their lack of faith, although or even though God's works were finished from the foundation of the world? What's being stated here as well in verse four of chapter four is the reminder of where the Israelites could have and should have been looking to. Because in verse three and four, the work that God wrested from at the foundation of the world was the work of creation. But these verses are not to say that, that, that we must take the Sabbath day and keep the Sabbath day from work. That's, that, that's not the point here. Rather, the point is to remind us that from the very outset of creation, there has been the existence of God's rest. The, 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 the reality, the, the concept, the place of God's rest has been there for us to perceive and know of from the very beginning. Just as, as we know God created the skies and God created the land and God created the oceans on the seventh day for our understanding, God created the place of his rest. The seventh day, the Sabbath, every seven days was not just a reminder for Israel to rest themselves, but the weekly Sabbath was to serve as a reminder to keep their eye and their mind's eye on God's rest. Why? Because our rest is very imperfect. Our rest is is riddled with fear and our rest is riddled with restlessness and striving. We toss and we turn and we wake up tired while God's rest. God's rest is his perfect peace. God's rest is his perfect contentment. God's rest is his perfect joy. God's rest is His perfect satisfaction and His complete sovereignty over His creation. Can you imagine the rest of God? The stillness of God. The calm of God. A peace that passes all understanding. A sinless, righteous rest. And all through these verses in Hebrews, the author of Hebrews has been reminding us that the opportunity to enter this rest still stands, that, that, it, that it's not too late. No matter how many years you've been, you've been striving, working, 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 there is a more restful way. Church, this passage today is all about us receiving a rest that is not our own a rest we can't attain ourselves a way of resting that we can't do ourselves with all of the best planning and all of the best scheduling and with all the clearest boundaries look at verse 9 and 10 then there remains a sabbath rest for the people of God for whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his we part, this passage never directly speaks about the cross and yet everything it's saying is pointing the reader in that direction. We don't enter a rest that is our own. Jesus took what is ours, taking our sin and our unbelief and our restlessness and our idolatry and our rejection of him so that he could give to us his perfect righteousness and acceptance before God. It's through the work of the cross, a way was made for us to cease striving for what we cannot obtain, and a way was made for us to gain what we can only receive through God's grace and through His mercy. R.P., it's at the cross that we find the entranceway to God's rest, where God's rest can today become ours. And what does it mean to experience the rest of God? It means when you become a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and resides inside of you and speaks into your life all that is true of you in Christ, that you are loved, that you are enough, that you are going to be okay, that it's not all on you, that you are forgiven, that God is for you. RP, rest starts in here. Rest starts in here. It starts in your heart and then when you do have rest in here you will naturally begin to live with a sense of freedom that becomes evident in the rhythms of your days and your weeks and your years church you don't need to take a 24-hour sabbath every week but you could and absolutely nothing that is true of you in christ would change you can leave work early. You, you can sleep without fear of missing out. You may be able to earn less money. You can stop to pray. You can delete your emails from your phone. You can change your career. You can walk slower. You can be more present. You can get off social media. You can put your family first, and absolutely nothing that is true of you in Christ is going to change. Ruth probably, or Ruth probably a couple of years ago, now decided that we we, um, or decided, or she wrote that. Sorry, I'm reading this wrong. She decided that we were going to do like a weekly Sabbath meal in our home, and so this is. Um, just something that she thought and we decided that we do it was going to be every every Friday night or every Friday evening that we would set aside time to have a special family meal and we would light some candles and we would uh, seat, sit in a different room or in the front room and, and we would play some music and sometimes it's pretty spectacular and sometimes it's very simple and flies by without noticing it but the hope is to find a time to stop and a time to be grateful as a family we, we pray during that time, with a little bit more intentionality, we ask questions about God with a little more focus. And the kids, they don't really let us leave the table now without us sharing what we're grateful for that week. And that, 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 that's, just, that's just us. That's what that we do. Maybe there is a rhythm this year that you want to put in place but the heart of Sabbath rest, I think, is so perfectly exemplified by what we read earlier, what we read early of Caspar Boom. Rest for him, it wasn't shirking responsibility, not as a father and not as a neighbor. Rather, his rest was incorporated within the rhythms of the New Testament's expectations of what will be the Christian's life. As Corey wrote, speaking of her father, every day of my life ended like this that deep, steady voice, that sure and ear confiding of us all to the care of God. The Bible lay at home on his shelf, but much of it was stored in his heart, his blue eyes seeing beyond the locked and crowded room, beyond Harlem, beyond the gymnasium, beyond earth itself. Church, there is a place of rest and which should, on which should be our mind's eye. A place where the pressures of our lives are pushed back, where we feel safe and we feel at peace, where we experience a limber sense of freedom to walk at a pace that is calm and quiet and present. And that place is the kingdom to come. It's beyond, it's beyond earth itself. It's where God was on the seventh day of creation. And But there exists a foretaste of that day, of that kingdom that has been placed through the Holy Spirit within us. In Christ, the Holy Spirit allows us anytime, anywhere to be with God at rest. And so church, may we this new year be intentional enough as a church to attune our minds and our bodies to the rest that is already ours. And may we incorporate rhythms of prayer and peace and rhythms of pause and slowness and gratitude within our days and our weeks as a demonstration and our witness of our genuine faith and our belief in the rest that we have find. RP, it starts in here. It starts in here. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you meet us where we're hurting. God, you meet us where we're struggling. Even as we're looking through this, this series in Luke, your heart to see people. God, I pray that as you're in this room, That people will feel seen and encouraged and offered hope this morning that there is rest. And even if we can't even see it on our calendars, God, I pray that we will realize that there is a rest in Christ that cannot leave us. And we maybe just need to walk a little slower. We maybe need to be just a little bit more intentional to attune ourselves to the rest that we have in Christ. God, I pray that we would not be a striving people, but we would be a people who love our neighbors and love our families. God, do that amongst us. Give us that kind of desire in our hearts to walk attuned to your spirit and rest, I pray. In your name, amen.